Well, hello, and welcome to the Through the Word podcast, as pastors Chris Mitchell and John Bell seek to answer questions that come from the reading of God's Word, beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor John Bell. And I'm Pastor Chris Mitchell. And this is the Through the Word podcast, where we answer questions from the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And this week we are in 2 Samuel. And so, Pastor Chris, if it's all right with you, let's go ahead and get into some of those questions. Yes, let's do it. All right. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We were talking about marriage. And so our first question is in regard to David's multiple marriages. Um, and the reason why we have this question is because 2 Samuel 12, 8 it seems to imply that God gave David multiple multiple wives. And so is God pro-polygamy? Well, let's just first of all say thank you for marriage. What a yes. beautiful gift it is. <laughs> I'm thankful for my wife. Yes, me too. And, you know, God's design and intention for his people was one man and one woman to be united as one in marriage for a lifetime. Yes. So, uh, that's his uh, ideal, uh, but we know that sin messed everything up, and so God's ideal or his intentions got very distorted. Uh, and it did, the, including the design of marriage. And so, Second Samuel twelve eight does seem to imply that God is not only tolerating this idea of multiple wives, but that, it, that he's advancing it or giving his approval. Okay. Uh, so obviously, that, that this is a an honest concern or, or, you know, like what's going on here. Yes. Um, but the phrase given in this text means nothing more than the fact that by God's design, he had given David as King, everything that was Saul's. So, you know, the verse in question, uh, do you have that? Or you want me to read that? Cause I, I was thinking that might be helpful for sure. The I have that. And, okay. And I gave your master's house, and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if it were too little, I would add much more. And so the, the concern was master's wives, gave your right. master's wives. Absolutely. So there's no evidence that David ever married any of Saul's wives. Okay. Um, though it was common in those days for the harem of the king to pass to the successor. Um, okay. This verse is definitely not an endorsement by God for polygamy at all. Okay. Just because God may tolerate the sins of his creation does not mean he supports them. Um, God's design for marriage is still the same. It was given before the fall as a display of the glorious union between God and his people. Yes. And so when you're looking at that verse, you're looking at just basically a, a phraseology that that is saying, you know, I gave you all this. And if you'd wanted more, I would have given you more. Yes. And it really wasn't, you know, implying, oh, I'm so glad you got more wives. Um, you know, when when you speak of that glorious union between God and his people, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 speaks of that present union. Yes. You know, between husband and wife, between one man and one woman. And then Revelation 19, one through 10 speaks of the future union of, you know, Christ and and his church. So um, I hope that helps a little bit. Well, it does. 
But I mean, in a short answer, is God pro polygamy? <laughs> he is not. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. That's a good short answer. But um, but we do, you know, in David not having enough and wanting more, he he acts in great sin and yes. he takes Bathsheba. Uh, and there is a punishment that comes from that. And so our next question is in regards to those punishments. So in that same passage, we find that David's punishment was the death of a child with Bathsheba. And so, Pastor Chris, why did, why did the child have to die in order to punish David? Well, we need to start with the truth that God's ways are not our ways. So, you know, he sees the bigger picture. Yes. He calls us to trust him even when we don't understand. So in this incident, the child was not being judged. David was. Yes. And what we're seeing here in God's word is there's this assurance that death is not the end. Right. Because this passage seems to indicate that this child went to heaven where David will one day go as well. Uh, we see that. Let me see. At the end of verse yes. 23. Um, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. Yes. He will not return to me. So this, this child was spared by God, a potential life of sorrow and strife that may have been forced upon him as the offspring of an illegitimate affair between Bathsheba and David. Okay. David is demonstrating confidence in God's kindness by fasting and praying when the child was alive really in hopes that God might show mercy. But then he worshiped after the child died as a determination that he trusted in God's goodness to take the child to be with him in heaven and that one day David and his son would be reunited. Hmm. Well, thank you. The, um, the next question we have is, is still... In the same in same passage, and you know, spoiler alert, alert I mean, we're pre you're preaching from this passage this Sunday, right? <laughs> I, I know we're answering a lot of questions from it, but that that's okay. Oh um, yeah. The next the next question is in in regards to the will of God. This is a big question, a big theological type question. So, was it God's will that Bathsheba would be David's wife, and that they would have Solomon? And the reason that we have this question is because of the direct link to the Messiah, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is mentioned in Matthew 1, 6. Well, as you said, this is a big <laughs> theological question. And so I went to some folks at Ligonier Ministries for some insight to help okay. me answer this question in a way that I hope is um, understandable by us all. I certainly was excited about the way that uh, what I read and, and how I felt like it was uh, coming to light in my head. So I hope that <laughs> I can rightly communicate what's in my head okay. um, to you. But uh, first of all, we need to begin with the distinction in that uh, or what Martin Luther called God's hidden will and his revealed will. Okay. Uh, that's essential that we lay that understanding that if we're to know anything about God, he has to reveal it to us. And yes. You know, I mean, that, that's just kind of, that's the ground level here. Um, Deuteronomy 29, 29 gives us a clue that God chooses not to reveal everything to us. Right. Uh, he keeps some things hidden 
certain realities are known to him and him alone. But he's also condescended to man and revealed to us certain aspects of his character and plan. So let's talk about God's hidden will first. Okay. God's hidden will includes all that he's ordained. So his will of decree establishes every event in history, every thought and intention of every person, everything that ever happens. This will extends even to the ordination of evil for the Lord works out everything according to the counsel of his will. That's Ephesians 1 11. Yes. Importantly, not everything that God ordains in his hidden will is in itself pleasing to him. Right. So considered in themselves, he hates the evils he ordains, but he ordains them in order to overcome evil and achieve a greater good that does please him. You know, we okay. see that in Romans eight twenty eight. Yes. So, and I know that's a lot to take in. So I'm tracking anyway. with you. Okay, good. <laughs> God's revealed will then. All right. So that's the hidden will. That's his providential, you know, I mean, if he's in control of everything, then he has to be in control of everything. Right. <laughs> we say that. But then you have this revealed will and it tells us what the Lord finds pleasing. Chiefly, okay. the revealed will of God is his moral law. Yes. So when scripture calls us to do the will of the Lord, it is this will that's in view. Okay. So whatever happens in history manifests what he ordained in his sovereign but hidden will. Yet we're not called to seek out the hidden will. We can't know it in advance anyway because God hides it from us. Right. Instead, we're to live by what the Lord has revealed in his perceptive or revealed will. Okay. As we obey his commandments, we please our creator. So I wanted to lay that foundation there first. And so that revealed will. Uh, is what we know about what God expects of us revealed in scripture. Yes. That's from the article. Okay. Okay. So I say that this is Chris now talking. All right. Not, not the article. (laughs) Okay. Based on what we just learned, it seems as though David's taking of Bathsheba was part of God's hidden will. Okay. But it was not part of his revealed will. Because David's actions went against many of the laws God had given his people. Yes, definitely. But it was part of his hidden will, allowing the evil choices of a man to further God's plan of redemption to ultimately overcome all evil as Solomon got to be part of the lineage that brought us Christ, the Savior of the world. So only in looking back can we sometimes see a glimpse of God's hidden will in that what the enemy meant for evil in all of David's actions, God was using for good to work out his perfect plan. Yes. And praise the Lord. He's gracious in that way. Yeah. And, and for us, we need to recognize that our loving action toward our, our Lord and savior who came about through this grace from himself is what he tells us is if you love me, You'll, you'll do you'll do what right. i say you'll trust me yes and so we'll follow that revealed will right that's right well thank you for for answering that that's a big one yes um, it is. the the next one is a. Uh, it, it's a little different it's it's got to do with the giants and so we we find the giants again you know like goliath and we even find goliath again 
Right. At least the name Goliath. And so who were these giants? It talks about this lineage of giants. It's mentioned in 2 Samuel 21. And so who were they? And then the second question is, were there two Goliaths who had the same size spear? Because even the spear seems to be shown as the same size for the Goliath that was killed by someone other than David in chapter 21. You know, these these giants are, are given not a whole lot of, of um, conversation. You know, we're, we're not really sure exactly where they're their lineage is from obviously there's a knock and some think you know came from that line okay um, a lot of conversation about that but but not not a whole lot of wow this is where they came from and they all had this kind of you know mom and dad and they all you know ate spinach every day you know, or something <laughs> like that I, uh, you know so so we don't we don't have so much we can figure out about that but we can see that this goliath issue um, in Second Samuel, there is probably a scribal error. Okay, copying the manuscript, it really should read, "El Hanan killed the brother of Goliath." Okay, thank now, you. Now there are some other solutions to this issue, um, but but this scribal error seems to be supported by a similar report of the story in First Chronicles twenty verse five, which says. And there was again war with the Philistines, and Elhanan, the son of Jair, struck down Lami, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So um, this, it, it was just a, a scribal error, and I know we've talked about that on here before, just a copying error sure. where that word, the brother of, should have been there. And here we're using as we've said before too i mean scripture to help clarify scripture yes and and we're thankful that that has been recorded we have you know chronicles and we have second samuel and so we can go to each one and see okay what what was this what happened right here that's right and then as far as the the spears concerned i mean if you think about it even today if you run into military personnel they're they're carrying the same weapons <laughs> I mean, right. many. So it, it wouldn't be uncommon, I would think, during that same time for that. That's simply speculation, but just, you know, just the thought process there. Sure. And if you're making a mold for one size spear, it wouldn't be hard to, you know, to duplicate that. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. And the well, our last you. question this week is has to do with David's census. And so the, the question is, why was the Lord angry at David for having census which is recorded in second samuel 24 because second samuel 24 1 seems to imply that it was at the lord's request but then we have first chronicles 21 that shows that it was satan who enticed david to take the census so our questions is which was it was it satan or the lord and if it was the lord then, then why was he angry well both texts are correct Okay. Although it was Satan who immediately incited David, yes. ultimately it was God who permitted Satan to carry out this provocation. And it really kind of goes back to the to the question a little while, a little bit ago about the hidden will and the revealed will. Okay. Um, Satan wanted to destroy David and the people of God. Yes. God's mm -hmm. purpose was to humble David and the people and teach them a valuable spiritual lesson. Mm. 
so what you're seeing here is similar to the first two chapters of Job, where both God and Satan were involved in the suffering of Job. And similarly at the cross, Satan mm. wanted to destroy the Son of God, while God's purpose was to redeem humankind by the death of his son. Yes. So as far as the Lord's anger, we aren't given that information. It was directed, though, this is interesting, it was directed against Israel and not David. Okay. Leading some to conclude that God was angry with Israel's widespread support for rebellions like Absalom or Sheba against David, who mm. was the divinely appointed king. Yes. Well, I'm I'm thankful that good is triumphed over evil and always has and always will. Yes, absolutely. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, thank you for answering those questions this week. And and we look forward to answering some more questions next week as we get into the book of First Kings. And please send those in to through the word 22 at Gmail dot com. But thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, Pastor John. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later and hope that you've enjoyed our podcast. Yes. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Through the Word podcast. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to through the word 22 at gmail.com. That's through the word and the number 22 at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day.